kind of hadn't hit, it doesn't sound like you had hit this rock bottom. Like for you, it was just like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. But the mm. fact that you were just like, I'm going to try new things. Mm. I'm going to like, this is huge. And I think it's the most important lesson that people need to learn mm. is that you can still go the conventional approach, mm. but why not try everything else? Totally. Like why not, you know, and you don't have to do it all at once, but why not take everything that's coming to you as a sign? Like, mm -hmm. oh, this piece of paper is a sign yeah. that maybe like just experiment mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? Yeah. And, right? and, and you'll see the flutter, right? Yeah. Like that's what it is. Eventually you'll try something and you'll see it. You'll see something. And then once you see something, you know that that is, is, is working. And so then you just keep following down that road and, and then and you just don't look back because no. then you just keep trying other things. And as, as long as you keep seeing it, then you just keep going. And you just Hi, everyone, and welcome to our Eat Real to Heal podcast. I am your host, Nicolette Richet. And on today's show, we have Erin Burton. Erin is a bookkeeper accountant, and she is also the mother of two incredible children. And she's about to share with you one of the most remarkable stories about being a very young mom and having a son who was diagnosed on the uh, diagnosed with autism and what she did to be able to turn that around so that he is now able to be a young man in university thriving with a collective of friends and a community and doing so well. And she did all of that through her own self-discovery and journey into the world of food as medicine. So you're going to learn that remarkable story. It is such a story of courage and power and commitment and dedication and really not giving up until you get the solution that you want. And that is attainable for everybody. So listen to Erin's show that we have here today so that you can learn what she did to be able to turn her life and her son's life around. It is amazing. And before we dive into the show, a couple of announcements. We launched our raw program, which is our Richer at Work program, where we go into corporations and we teach the CEO, the HR department, and their employees how to use food as medicine to reverse their chronic diseases, their diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety, panic attacks, depression, um, irritable bowel syndrome, like every gut health issue, autoimmune disorder. We are teaching them how to use food as medicine to be able to collectively do that in their organization so that they not only reclaim their health and their lives, but so that they are more productive at work. Because having people that love their work when they are healthy and vibrant and they're feeling creative and they have the energy to put into their jobs, into their careers, it not only makes that business better, but it also makes the world better as well. Because that effect, that positive result trickles over into their family life as well. These employees become the inspiration that their children need, that their family needs, that their neighbors need, and that their community at large needs. And the reason we're doing this is because it's all part of a bigger campaign that's called our 22 million campaign, where our mission is to teach 22 million people how to reverse their chronic diseases by 2030 using food as medicine. 
And to kick off this campaign, I'm announcing that I am going to be riding my bike and running from Pemberton, British Columbia, Canada, through Whistler, Squamish, Vancouver, and all the way down to California. And along the way, I'm going to be stopping in many locations, doctor's clinics, naturopathic clinics. In We're going to be stopping in hospitals and schools and universities and workplaces, teaching richer at work all along the way so that we can kick off this amazing program to help 22 million people reverse their chronic degenerative diseases by 2030. Now, I've been doing this work for 12 years, researching food as medicine to be able to treat, manage, and reverse cancer and chronic disease. I've been researching that for 22 years, and now it's time that I go big or go home because we have an epidemic on our hands of chronic disease. Diabetes is on the rise. Autism is on the rise. One in three kids are projected to be diagnosed with autism by 2030 and we need to turn that around the way we're going to do that is collectively if we can get people saying no to pesticide and insecticide laden food which destroys our gut health if we say yes to working with farmers to reclaim and regenerate their soil so that our food becomes more nutritious if we say yes to organic food and plant-based whole food so that that we we can actually stand a chance at reversing these diseases and if we educate people about the connection between diet and disease so many people still do not know that their diet affects their health and is the major contributor, the one major contributor to their disease. So if we're going to get there by 2030, we need to go big or go home people because our food is related to our climate change crisis. It's related to our health crisis. It's related to our economic crisis. It's related to our societal crisis that we are seeing. And we have the power to come together to change that, but it's not going to happen if I sit here in my ivory tower just doing podcasts for the people who know that their podcasts exist. It's if I just stay here and work with people one-on-one or if I do small group coaching, I need to be able to do this amongst the millions and so do all the other people who have this knowledge. So that's why we're kicking off this 22 million campaign. Hope that you'll be part of it. And of course, let's dive into this podcast and into this amazing healing story with Aaron Burton. And you know what to do, folks. If you love the show and you found any value in it, please share it with others. Share it with anyone and everyone who will listen because this is how the message gets out there that food is medicine. So send it to those moms that are feeding their kids the foods that are not healing, that are potentially harming. Send it to the dads who disagree with their partners that food heals and they're like, no, food doesn't have anything to do with their disease because I hear that all the time in relationships. So send it to the dad, send it to your colleagues, send it to your bosses, send it to anyone who needs to learn that food is medicine so that they can reclaim their lives, kick their chronic disease to the curb for good so they can get back into the world and with the energy and vibrancy so they can give their gifts to others to give their art to others, give their creativity to others, give their inspiration to others that they just currently can't give because right now it's blanketed under that veil of depression, that veil of chronic pain, that veil of low energy. And that can all be turned around so quickly within a matter of days 
by reclaiming the food that you eat. So make sure that it is plant-based whole food, full of nutrients, and that it's healing. And that's what we teach you at and through our program, our Eat Real to Heal online course, which we are now selling for $97. It used to be $5.95, but we decided that we're going to sell it for $97 to give even more people access to the knowledge that food is medicine. So you can find that at Richer Health, Teachable. Google those two words. The links are below. You can find it through our nicoletterichet.com website, through our green mustache website. Go to any of our company's pages and you'll be able to find the link to that online course. Get it today so you can turn your health around. Okay. And of course, if you are a CEO or you run an HR department or you work in an environment where you do have employees that need this knowledge, please fill out our application so we can get to know you and we can bring richer work into your workplace and make your company more productive and a much more enjoyable place to work. Thanks everyone. Listen to the show and share it with others. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, welcome to the Eat Real to Heal podcast. We are actually filming out of our office today and we kind of had to scramble because I don't do most interviews in our office. And now it's all set up on our beautiful couch where if you're watching this video, I have this beautiful art piece behind me, which is the turkey tail mushroom. So it's a beautiful macro shot of the turkey tail mushroom. It's gorgeous. Uh, if you're on in your car or running and listening to this podcast, we have the beautiful Erin Burton with us today in our office, and we are doing this amazing podcast, and which we're going to cover so many different things, but I think what you're going to be most fascinated to learn about is how Erin was able to tackle, manage, disrupt, overcome a diagnosis that her son was given at 15 months. So let's dive into that. Welcome, Erin, to our Eat Real to Heal show. Hello. <laughs> so Erin and I, we met a few times, but it wasn't until you were doing bookkeeping for one of my friends who has mm -hmm. a business, Anastasia Creative. Yeah. And um, I busted into their meeting, uh, which Anastasia rents her office out of our restaurant. So we have a restaurant above our office and that's how that works. And so we have these, you know, there's myself and Anastasia, who's a powerhouse businesswoman and we love collaborating on all things. And then Aaron was in there and Anastasia right away was like, you have got to hear Aaron's story. She needs to be on your podcast. So let's go back because what you told me that day, I mean, it stopped my heart and it stopped me so that I just wanted to hear the whole story, didn't get to dive into that. But let's go back to, um, well, let's go back 20 years because you have a 20-year-old son now. That's right. Okay, so this happened when he was 15 months. Mm -hmm. So tell me the story of what happened with him around his diagnosis. Okay, so um, I was, uh, so I had him when I was 20. And um, so everything up until the point that he was 15 months old was he was developing completely normal and uh, he was starting to speak and he was doing everything like he should have and in comparison to a lot of the other kids and everything like our checkups and everything were normal and um, and then we had the 15 month um, vac vaccination that you have and um, that they have then and um, at that point he it, he just, after that, he started, um, 
losing his speech was really the most defining um, thing that came out of everything because all of a sudden he was, you know, not speaking when he used to speak. So it was really, uh, it was really terrifying actually. Let's go back to just before that. So you had this baby, you were taking him for regular appointments and yep. Like I was in, I've, I've, we've been in Whistler the whole time. And so I came here in my first season in Whistler and I got pregnant. And so I had my son and up until this point, um, we had regular appointments and, um, we were, you know, average, like getting everything done, like we were supposed to and following the doctor. And I had like a fantastic doctor at the time and everything. It was all, it was all good. And he was speaking yep. and walking yep. and mm -hmm. making eye contact, mm -hmm. all of those beautiful things. Yeah, everything was, you know, there wasn't anything that I would point out about him that was, you know, different in any way. It was like he just, you know, there wasn't anything. There was no, you know, I, and I know, I mean, you have three girls. Like, they just, like, constantly make you go to all these appointments. Right? Yes, all the time. <laughs> You're always all the time. Like, this appointment, that appointment. Like, yeah. you know, they're constantly like, oh, do you have any concerns? And I think... At that point too, they weren't as maybe they weren't as um, like uh, checklisty. I guess is probably is not a word, but you know, like they it's were a word now. Yeah, <laughs> not they weren't as um, you know on top of that. But they there were still so many appointments to make sure that you know the kids are developing and and everything is is going right health wise. And so, so was he, and was he getting like the normal colds that kids would get? And yeah, like, to be honest, I don't remember too much about his, um, particular, um, the health and like having any kind of illnesses or sickness or anything like that. Like he just, he's, he wasn't, he didn't have any um, antibiotics by that time or anything like so that. No antibiotics. So he was like a textbook child. Yeah. Healthy, totally. healthy really, because if he hadn't had antibiotics by that point, by 15 months, that's pretty impressive Yeah. because so many kids get ear infections mm -hmm. and you know, they get croup and they get mm -hmm. so many different things where the doctors are just like, let's give them antibiotics. Yeah. And I mean, and that was 15 years ago compared to, or, or well, no, 20 years ago compared to now where, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much more information and there's signs everywhere that are almost like anti-antibiotic signs in pediatrician's office that say, mm -hmm. you know, we're not going to prescribe those unless your child absolutely needs them. So that's probably changed a lot from when he was an infant, yeah. Oh, yeah. but even then he didn't have that. So, okay. So then 15 months comes, you take him to get vaccinated do you, yeah. which do you know which shots they was getting or was it i don't i don't even know i didn't even pay attention to what like i wasn't really following like at that point i was like just kind of like doing whatever the doctors told me because that's kind of i was like you know so young i had yeah. no idea like i wasn't like reading up on things or anything i was just like okay i had this baby i'm just gonna like follow what they mm -hmm. tell me because that's what you do you follow the doctor and they tell you and you just go with it and I think that's status quo, even mm. for not just being a 20 year old, but being a 30 year old, or even if you're a yeah. 40 year old mother, and even I think a 40 year old mother, probably by this point, because they're just constantly told all the time, like, oh, your eggs are dying and yeah. you have to have a baby. So then if you get pregnant, <laughs> so you're, true. yeah, you're just like so yeah. excited that you're probably more willing to mm -hmm. do what the doctor says yeah. than, you know, maybe 
Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's definitely people that will question, Mm -hmm. but I think the status quo is that you listen to your pediatrician. Yeah. Right. So you did. Okay. So then what happened at this point? Um, yeah. So, uh, at that point, um, you know, we, I, I remember the, uh, where he got his shot, like the, the vaccination, I remember it it swelling Mm -hmm. and him having a reaction to it. Um, which they say is quite normal. And what kind of reaction um, beyond like a, the swelling or was it just the swelling? Yeah, it was like swelling and it, it was like a bump, you know, like a, like a good sized bump and uh, super hot and red. And, and then it lasted for a little while until it went away. But um, yeah, that was kind of the most thing that I remember. Um, and then after that point, just progressively, up until we saw the pediatrician at 18 months is when he stopped speaking and then he stopped he just he just stopped communicating so like in any sort of form like he kind of he stopped making eye contact he stopped um you know just everything he kind of went into his own little world and all he would drink was milk. He just wanted milk over and over again. Like it was like milk, milk, milk. Like he wouldn't eat anything but like French fries and milk. Like mm. it was like, all I remember is being like, oh my gosh, like he's just, it's, it just was such a dramatic difference from what I was dealing with before that. And so I brought him to the doctor and said like, you know, there's something wrong. Like he's not speaking. Any, like the speech thing was like, obviously it wasn't something that you could, um, argue you know like it wasn't something you could just pass off as like oh it's okay like whatever like some kids don't they stop making eye contact or whatnot Mm -hmm. it was like you know there was speech and then there wasn't it was a very defining thing that we could really pinpoint and um so I got referred to a pediatrician and at that time there was we just happened to have a pediatrician named Dr. Hampson who was interning here Um, not like as an intern, but he was doing like a program where he just wanted to try other places out because he was from Halifax. Oh, so yeah. So like a locum traveling. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm from Halifax. So I was like, oh, this guy's cool. I'm so excited. You know, he's like totally is going to know everything. And I got into like the little office that was at the medical clinic here. And um, he just like watched him. Um, He like observed Kobe, my son, and he just he was just watching what he was doing and like how he was playing. And he got me to um, tell him a little bit about like what's been going on. And then he just, he just told me, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm sorry. Like your son has autism. And I was like, I mean, like for me, like I, I wasn't like, like sort of like confronted by it. Like, cause it wasn't something that people even, I didn't even know what that was at yeah. that point. I had no idea what autism was. I was like, uh, okay, like, so what do we do about that kind of yeah. thing? And, um, and he was like, you know, here's like my, I'm going to write you a diagnosis, which I had no idea at that point too, was so, um, such a big deal because they don't just do that now they yeah. you have to go see so many people in order to get these diagnoses and yeah. and so he just wrote it out for me and signed it and was like here's this slip and you know you you'll be referred to sunny hill hospital in vancouver and they'll want to do some more studies just to see what type of like potential behavioral intervention they can do and i was like okay and it was it was wild like we just yeah after that point we just went through the motions of doing 
all of the stuff that they suggested. So um, we went to the Sunny Hill Hospital. It was, um, you know, like a, it was a really interesting day full of all of these very quiet people that had lots of like clipboards yeah. and things and they just like watched him and they would like ask me questions and they would always ask me questions like you know like what I was like and like mm -hmm. how we were and like what I was doing with him and that kind of thing and and then they just said that um they would they just told me you know the type of thing that like they just, they have like a checklist, like it's like a symptom checklist of autism. Like it's not something where, you know, it's like a blood test or anything. Yeah. It's like, it's like a list of things, like no eye contact, check. You it's know? like behavioral, right? <laughs> yeah, it's all yeah. behavioral. And I'm like, yeah. okay, like, and so they just referred me to, I got so much like sort of like, I guess like information at once. Mm -hmm. Like it was like, you know, they did, I had to sit in a boardroom afterwards with I think probably eight to 10 people and they were all just telling me each of them, their findings. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, sitting there, like, okay, sure. Like whatever, like this is just what's going on. And, yeah. um, and, and, and then, at, at this point had you like a few days have passed since obviously he got diagnosed in Whistler. Then now you're in Vancouver. Now he's being assessed by all these different people. You're a 21 year old mom now at this point, And you're sitting in this boardroom and they're telling you your son has yeah. been diagnosed with autism, which it sounds like, I mean, in 20 years ago, like what we know about autism today versus autism 20 years ago, it's so such a drastic difference because we now know about the microbiome, which I want to get into you, with mm -hmm. you later. Um, and, but I, I mean, I, I'm trying to even just imagine what that was like for you. Yeah. So did you start, I mean, was there Google 20 years ago? I have to remember. I know. Yeah, like I was even trying to remember what I did. Yeah. Cause I was like, was I like, cause now I would have been like, you know, as they were talking, on your phone, like Googling then, everything, like Googling this, Googling yeah. that, like, I, I mean, like none of that was going on. Yeah. It was like, I was just sitting there taking it all in, you know, reading everything that they gave me to read. Yeah. And that was really all we had. Like, I remember having a computer around that time, but mm -hmm. it, it definitely wasn't like researching stuff. Yeah. And definitely not the same vast amount of information mm -hmm. that we have access to now. So at this time, can I just ask about your son? So yeah you know, he's 15 months, well, 18 months now. Yep. And what was that like parenting a child that is non-communicative, mm. communicative, that is um, not making eye contact, yeah. that only wants to have milk and French fries? Like, what was that like for you? And especially being like this young mom. Mm. Like, yeah, it was confusing because I felt like, um, for me, I felt like I wanted to there was, you know, I wanted to feel like I was, I was, I was really nervous and I didn't know what to, I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. And I wasn't really like, I think of the way that I parent my daughter mm -hmm. versus parenting my son. And it, they're extreme opposites because with my daughter, like she's four and it's like, I, there's so much awareness and availability to like, look up everything. And when he was younger, I like, I just remember, you know, just going with whatever was going on at the time and trying to meet with like the groups that were going on and all of that. And just noticing the differences between my son and the other kids was really hard. It was like, yeah. I, 
felt like I couldn't communicate with the other moms because I felt like they didn't it was just because I wasn't he wasn't hitting these milestones anymore it's almost like his development stopped and then he just was like existing and so was I and we were just trying to live it out but there wasn't a lot of really like differences between like we're just kind of doing the same thing but it's just not the same behaviors yeah it's challenging when and I can just imagine I can't even imagine actually how challenging that is to be in an era of time Mm -hmm. when there's these discoveries being made, Mm -hmm. you know, because autism rates back then, like I'll have to look it up and I'll probably include it in the end notes in the uh, pre and post um, show notes. But I, we interviewed Dr. Zach Bush Mm -hmm. on our show. Are you familiar with Dr. Zach Bush? So he is is such a beautiful man. Mm -hmm. He is a triple board certified doctor, which I know that he hates it when people say that because he's (laughs) like, I'm a human and don't define me by Mm -hmm. these things. And in fact, I'm even more than that. And it's true. He is more than that, but he is, and he's so much more than that. He is, um, everything he does is about soil regeneration because he, as a doctor, um, and he wasn't taught this in medical school. It was afterwards. And this is literally just not long ago, like within the last decade, where he started to see the connection between the microbiome mm-hmm. and the soil and the microbiome in our guts and how they're linked. Now yeah. there's research papers on the gut-brain axis, mm-hmm. which really have only come out in the last few years yeah. um, in the vast you know, amounts of information and the good rigorous science, which mm-hmm. didn't exist 20 years ago, or if it did, nobody was looking at it. Totally. And so there weren't like and all these books. And they thought you were crazy. And they thought you were crazy. Exactly. If you said, well, yeah. this is not a brain thing, it's a gut thing, mm-hmm. people would have, you, you would have been like the you know, the doctor who discovered neuroplasticity in the seventies where people thought he was a quack. Totally. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. but you're 21. And the thing about being a young mom is you haven't had those years on the planet where your brain is making connections between the environment and food and health. And like, so I can't even imagine what that was like for you. And, and it's happening still because every year there's new and rare autoimmune disorders that are coming out and all these other illnesses that are coming out where you know, for these people where there's no information, it's like, how do you navigate that? And in the world of mental health, there's already such a limited number of resources for what you actually do. Yeah. It's like, there's your diagnosis. See you later. Yeah. There's a lot of information out out there about like what's wrong Yes. or like, you know, how you might feel, but there's no, like now do this, right. You know, now try this now, like, you know, this is a possible way to, to handle it, like an actionable actionable things yeah so that's and did you have your family here in Whistler um no I didn't have my family here in Whistler so are they were they all in Halifax (laughs) yeah oh my gosh (laughs) I just okay so super mama let's dive into then what happened so you are now okay so now you're in this boardroom and let's go back to that and they're telling you things Mm -hmm. and then what happens then so then I just went home I got all this information and I was like, thanks. I got in my car and I drove home. I was like, oh, that was a crazy day. You know? Oh my God. And, um, and I, so one of the, one of the first things I did was I, uh, contacted the autism. It was like the autism awareness society mm-hmm. in BC. And I remember getting on the phone and talking to this woman that answered the phone and she was so cool. And because there's something I think about this too that's 
different as well as my mindset at that point. Like I was so young and I felt super, um, in, I, I felt super self-conscious about having a child that young right. in general. So it was like all of these things, I felt like it was my fault that I was like doing something wrong. And I, you know, like, who am I to like have a child that young? And like, I should have known better. And like now, now it's gone wrong. And like, it was just, it was really confronting in, in that way. It's like being double judged. Yeah. Like yeah. I was like, and I think in, you know, in hindsight, like I nowadays, like I say, I'm older, obviously I've got more experience and I have a lot of awareness, like personal mm -hmm. awareness. But at that point I didn't, I just was like operating from, you know, whatever was kind of coming up yeah. at that time. But I look at myself then and I think, wow, like that chick was just like doing that. Like, yeah. what was she doing? Yeah. And so, but I, but that came into play a lot of times because of the fact that it's like you said, like I was watching his behavior. I was listening to what these doctors were saying. I was watching how they observed him. And there was a lot of times within that, that, you know, experience that I wasn't saying stuff that I thought and I felt mm. because I didn't feel that that was, it, it was, I sh could, I felt like, who am I to question these people and mm -hmm. these doctors? Of like, course. I mean, and most so young, people like, feel that way. Most people look at mm -hmm. someone in a white lab coat mm -hmm. and they don't even think to question because they think they have all the answers. Yeah. So that's just normal, no matter what age mm -hmm. you are. So, yeah. I mean, and obviously at 21, I, yeah, I can imagine that that's a natural response. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm going to go to you. You're going to give me the answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like now, you know, like I probably, it, I probably would have asked a bazillion questions, you yeah. know, like, how'd you come up with this? Like, what were you looking at kind of thing? So, so did, at this point, did you mention to them that he had been vaccinated 15 months and over the yeah. next three months and did they, was there nothing? No. Like they, that, that was like an unproved, that was like a, it was almost like a button. You know, like if I press that button, they would immediately be like, they'd shut down. Like they would just like glaze over and be like, don't even go there, girl. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it was that type of thing. Like you're not going to, I mean, I had one doctor that I talked to about it and they were like, don't even bother. Like, it's not worth it. You're not going to get anywhere with it. Like, what's the point? You know, like wow. they're not going to ever say that something that they're never going to be able to scientifically make the, the connection mm -hmm. in his body. So there's no point in, in, in even running down that path. So I, yeah. Which, oh my God, this is so, <laughs> oh, this part makes my body like cringe mm. because of the fact what we now know about the body and, you know, and we knew it back then. Doctors knew about, there were people who understood about constitution of a child. There were yeah. doctors that knew about detoxification. There yeah. were doctors that knew about the microbiome. There was mm -hmm. doctors that, they and did. scientists knew about the connection mm -hmm. and not saying like, you know, it's really important for anybody who's listening that most good researchers, most good scientists, most good doctors, they don't ever say that a causes B mm -hmm. because when you try and prove that out, you may not see that, but there can be a causal relationship. There can be a correlation. There, it could be that, well, yes, it doesn't directly cause, like if we were to go and, you know, give a hundred people this vaccination, mm -hmm. not all of them will, or not a significant portion will, will, you know, be diagnosed with autism, but there could be a correlation if you have other factors in place yeah. right and then they get the vaccination and then that leads to whatever so to discount someone 
and to discount a mother, mm-hmm. especially who has this intuition and just says, or even is just stating facts, mm-hmm. this happened, mm-hmm. then this happened, then this happened. It's so important for people to want to try and understand the situation more because that gives you solutions. So mm-hmm. if it's detoxification, if it's microbiome totally. correction, yeah. if mm-hmm. it's nutrition, yeah. if it's whatever it is, mm-hmm. it'll allow you to at least find a solution. Yeah. Right. So we don't have to say it caused it, but let's at least try and get to the solution. So anyway, that must have been tough. Yeah. And I, I think too, like I, I think in the beginning, like throughout the whole thing, like I wasn't ever looking for, um, kind of like, you know, like I didn't go down the path of, of like the why, like, Oh, like the count, confronting like why is Mm -hmm. this happening oh poor me kind of thing I or I'm so like you know even though people were telling me like you know he may not ever have live on his own he may not ever have friends like you know that that may be something that you just don't get to experience as a mother and and I just remember thinking like that's not true like, <laughs> you know, like I was like, oh, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm totally right. going to figure this out. Right. And like, wow. so, and I think that that had a lot to do with my age, you know, like I was yeah. just like, you know, when you're 21, you think you can do anything, you can, you can change the world. And like, so it's like, it was like life happening for me. Like I just, I was just kind of like going with it and taking in the knowledge, but I wasn't turning it into something else. I was just right. taking it in and taking what I needed from it and then like running further. So which I think that that is probably one of the most profound things that you could have done and that everybody needs to learn from. It's the fact that when something is happening mm-hmm. that you can take the victim role and say, this is happening to me and poor me, yeah. or what you just said is huge. It's I'm going to just figure this out. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, you want those to be my outcomomes? I don't want those to be my outcomes. No, so I'm just going to go figure out how life. to get different outcomes. Yeah. That's not my life. Like, I was like, that's that not is happening. Huge. Yeah. That's not happening. Yeah, I es- love it. Yeah, especially since, like, you know, I had watched him develop normally. So I knew, like, that that was a possibility. I just need to get back to that point. Oh, so, mm-hmm. so then what did you do after this? You came back to Whistler. Yeah, You're raising yeah. this child. Yeah, I was in Whistler. I was uh, just raising him. And um, I had to integrate up the suggestions from uh, some of the, uh, you know, people that w- I was working with. So... I met um, a speech therapist and she was awesome. Yeah. And uh, her name was Deanne Zeidler and she was like fantastic. And it was such a great time in Whistler to have a kid diagnosed with autism because like no one else's kid was diagnosed <laughs> with autism. So he was like this project and they were just like looking at me like, oh my, who is this girl? Like she's just like, you know, bopping around with her little kid, like yeah. just taking this on. And I was like, just help them, like do whatever you can, just tell me what to do. Wow. And so like we were teaching him like speech therapy and like doing all this cool stuff. And, and, um, and, you know, he was very uh, reluctant for a lot of it. There was a lot of fear stuff going on with him. And like, which I, uh, one of the reasons I believe, which is when we get into the food, I, it made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point I didn't know what was going on. We were just trying to find, we were just trying to find ways to make, to let him communicate. And so that way it would ease some of the, the obvious sort of behavior stuff that was coming up around not being able to communicate. Um, and so they suggested that we put him in um, daycare or that I put him in daycare. And so at this point I didn't have him in daycare. I had him, um, I had someone come to the house, like a, a friend of mine was being like essentially like his nanny for a couple of days a week. And uh, they, so they suggested that it'd be better if we put him into 
um, full-time daycare as much as we could because then he would get the socialization with the other kids mm -hmm. and then we could have a one-on-one -on -one worker go with him to be able to like help him integrate with the other kids and yeah. like pick up some of the behaviors and everything so I was like okay so then we did that and um started I was there a lot at the daycare like I used to stay there with him because he yeah. didn't want me to go and I didn't want to go so I was like I didn't want to leave him and and I wanted to watch what was going on and I wanted to make sure he was okay and um and we were so lucky because we had such cool people that he worked with. Like the, I think like the first or second guy that worked with him, um, you know, he was like a pre-med student from like, like, um, where is he from? Just South Africa. He was just here for a season. He was taking a season right. off. And he was working at the daycare. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Right? That's incredible. Like, Cause he was like, and I'm like, that is like, like we had such miracle people working with us. We were so wow. lucky to have that experience. And, um, so yes, we were in the daycare and, and so up until this point, yeah, he was doing daycare. Um, everything was kind of like not changing, mm -hmm. you know, it really wasn't, it was like not communicating it was, more. It was staying the same. It was like, if anything, there was just no development. Like it was like, it was, it was, uh, it was just not happening. And, um, and there was no, we weren't talking about that either. We weren't like, Oh, nothing's happening. But in my mind up until that point, nothing was changing about him and then um so then I went to I, I went to the uh the daycare one day and and they were so excited when I got there and they were like oh, Aaron like we found this article and I was like what are you guys talking about like what article and they were like they were like it's 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 Kobe like it's just like Kobe and they were like so excited like waving this article around and I was like and um it was the head of the daycare at the time that had found it and she was fantastic as well like was such a wonderful woman and they uh this this article was a written by a woman that was who was a doctor in England who had essentially said she cured her son um from autism with a gluten-free dairy-free diet wow that is what okay what that is what it said and i was like okay so i just have to say this <laughs> this to me is i mean for anybody who's listening and you've listened to our other shows you know that i teach the gerson therapy to my clients when the gerson therapy is plant-based unrefined whole foods that are 100 percent organic that is critical and for lots of reasons, we'll probably dive into the reasons behind. And then, um, and we teach that to help our clients reverse their chronic degenerative diseases and mental health issues. So Dr. Max Gerson, 100 years ago, suffered from migraines and he tried all the existing medications at the time to treat his migraines and nothing worked. He did everything that his colleagues, they were all medical doctors as well, suggested he saw the best of the best research in the medical literature and he applied that and it didn't work to eliminate his migraines. And so, and this is 100 years ago, this is like 1912, okay? <laughs> and so somebody, puts an article on his desk that's, oh, really? yes, <laughs> yes. No, that's where you're going to go in it. This that's is where awesome. I'm going with this. Right? Somebody puts an God, article on his, down on you. yes, yeah. totally. <laughs> it's like, you are the, I, we're, there's a yeah. message coming and so you are totally. to deliver it to the people. Mm -hmm. So puts an article on his desk and says, a gluten-free, <laughs> plant-based, whole food diet, dairy-free, is you know start with that mm -hmm. and he picked up the paper 
And I think 99% of people would have taken that piece of paper, crumpled it up, and they probably didn't even have recycling back then. I don't yeah. know, burnt it in the field, okay? <laughs> it's Germany, so that's probably not what happened. But it would have gone into the blue bin um, of the time. And the same thing could have happened for you because if you had any other daycare support person working yeah. mm -hmm. who had come across that article, they might've just been like, and flip, mm -hmm. flip, flip. But this one person decides to take the article and show it to you. Yeah. And, okay. I, and I think they know too, like, I think that, you know, in the way that you're being, you know, your mindset, it's like, they knew that I was like, I was gung ho to try anything. Like right. I was up for anything. And so, you know, putting that piece of paper into my hands was like gold because wow. I read it and it just, it, it, it just detailed the different, like the, the way that this woman said her son was, was exactly the way my son was. Like, it was like, you know, he, cause, cause at that point, you know, I never really thought about the food. Yeah. I really didn't. I wasn't like, Oh, I wonder if it's the food. Like, yeah, no, why of course would not. I think that? Well, like, people don't think about I that think now. The food. Like, yeah, no, I'm never like, you know, I was 21. Like, I'm not going to think about the food or I guess I may have been 22 at this point, but, um, cause it was right before his third birthday. Mm -hmm. So, um, I was reading, um, this article and it was, it, it's, it also detailed out how, um, when her, she had videotaped her son before, uh, he had a piece of cheese and then after he had a piece of cheese Wow! and the way that she described the way he was behaving after the piece of cheese was like, exactly how my son was when he wow. in in some certain like he would act that way sometimes and not others which mm -hmm. made so much sense to me and i was like that is exactly what's going on it's the food i was like this is this is the key and i like literally put him in the car and was like we're going to nesters because we were at the like daycare that was right beside nesters, nesters yeah and i was like it's right down the road and i was yeah. like okay we're like i drove to nesters like as fast as i could and i like got out of the car and i just remember like going in there with them and talking to these people that work there and i was like i need to find stuff without gluten i didn't even know what gluten was oh, yeah <laughs> this is what 17 years ago yeah and so yeah. you must have sounded like the crazy lady in I the grocery the store. Crazy lady in the grocery store. They were like yeah. looking at me like I had three eyes. They were like, "Who are you? And why do you want this stuff? Like, what is gluten? I don't even know what gluten." Yeah, is. they probably did. They were asked. Like, the one person I asked asked another person. Yeah, they were like, "What's, what's gluten?" And then they were like, "We were." And then we were all standing there looking at the backs of stuff <laughs> to figure out if it had gluten or not. Like it was like, like I laughed like right now you yeah. know like life is yeah. changed like you look at every There's package now dairy free products i like, see a bag of apples oh sometimes it's gosh. certain brands of apples mm -hmm. will say gluten free apples all the time which is so crazy i know right so now it it's like has it on face products it says gluten free and i always laugh i'm like We've come a long way. We've come a long yeah. way. Mm -hmm. Gluten-free products are ever okay. So I remember yeah. probably it must have been around 16 or 17 years ago, walking into our grocery store, local grocery store. This is when I lived on the North Shore, and going in and there was a stack of recipe books, like one of those carousels of recipe books, and it was like gluten-free baking, gluten. And I was like, what the hell is this gluten-free? Yeah, like, is it this another fad? Totally. Is really what I thought. Yes. Until then, I started in this is way before I knew anything about nutrition. 
um, really. But um, I do remember that that was a defining moment of my life where I can look back. And I still remember. I remember what I was wearing. I remember mm. the actual cookbook. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it was and it was crazy. I mean, back then that was like now we have nutri nutrient dense gluten free cooking. Totally. Whereas back then it was like put twenty pounds of sugar and twenty <laughs> pounds of like it was so crazy lard and it then was crazy. mix in the gluten free flour. Like mm. a, I don't even know if it was gluten free flour. Like with whatever the flour of the time was, but yeah. it definitely wasn't nutrient dense food. Totally back then. No, and like I think too, like uh, like I mean I was basically feeding him. They did have they did have brown rice noodles. Oh. at that time they did have them there oh, and amazing. I don't remember what the package was like but I remember it being very expensive yeah, no, <laughs> I remember buying like, wow like I'm gonna spend a lot on groceries. yeah so yeah. you were able to find some things I did I found like well I I mean rice was like my staple so yeah. he ate a lot of rice um and I made him lots of french fries still but I bought the french fries that didn't have anything in them no coating no um, no additives basically. Cause yeah. I mean, you can find frozen fries. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, like they're not going to be, he wasn't getting, you know, in hindsight, he wasn't getting a lot of nutrients from yeah. that food, but he also wasn't getting any of the gluten. Yeah. The trigger. And, yeah, yeah. Which is what I needed to eliminate. And so, um, yeah. And then the dairy was an easy one because they had soy milk. Oh, so, okay. which, you know, also in hindsight, like I wonder how much, you know, estrogen and those types of things he was getting from that. But that's of? actually a myth that yes, see, so this is a so great. much has been contradicted along the yeah. way. And I'm just like, Oh, oh and, so I, and I, and I rode this what's going on. Yeah. And I totally rode the soy roller coaster as well. Cause when my husband moved in with me, mm -hmm we had been dating for two months or something and I came home from work and all of his stuff was in my house. That's how he moved in. But he also moved <laughs> in with his like gross, disgusting like allergies. And I say, I can say that cause he's my husband. Okay. So if you have allergies and I'm not going to think you're gross or disgusting, but he was because <laughs> he would like drip mucus down oh, his face yeah, totally. and he would be sneezing a hundred times a day and he would like have to blow his nose a hundred times. It was the least attractive thing. And then he would leave his Kleenexes lying around. So yeah. that is what I'm referring to when I say gross and disgusting, but, but, you love but I love him. Yeah. So I allowed him into my world yeah. and my life. But then what I saw is how he grocery shopped mm -hmm. and he would come in with like these four liter jugs of milk yeah. and he would like have milk and cookies before bed every night. He'd wake up and have a glass of milk. <laughs> I know. I know. And yeah. right away I was like, you are never allowed to ever buy dairy mm -hmm. again and bring it into my house. Like yeah. I'll allow the cheese, mm -hmm. but you will never buy that milk and bring it into the house. So we switched to soy milk. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, I don't know about the soy thing, the estrogens. And it actually so took until, yeah. so I went like this on the roller coaster mm -hmm. where I'd be like, oh, but so then soy milk, no soy milk, soy milk, no mm -hmm. soy milk. And, um, but now we know like there's so much good research to really talk about the difference between, there's so many different types of estrogens, but also to know that the soy, the phytoestrogens mm -hmm. block the receptor sites right. for our estrogen, mm -hmm. which then is actually protective to the body. Right. So that's really important. And Dr. Gemma Newman, we did a podcast with her, but in her, we'll, we'll put this in the show notes so that people can learn about this because mm -hmm. it's so important for people to understand. It so is. you were at least on the right track. You had mm -hmm. soy milk. I was lucky because I had soy. So at least that was easier than trying to find gluten-free stuff. But I mean, there was a very big realization at that point naturally that wait a second, like fruit and vegetables 
none of it has gluten (laughs) (laughs) or dairy. So maybe I should just eat that. Like, you know, because like up until that point, I probably was eating a lot of packaged foods, right? right? Like I was probably just eating whatever I ate. And, 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 you know, I came from my upbringing, you know, it was, my mom was a single mom of, of three kids. So, you know, like it was a lot of, I, I, she did the best that she could. And she did, she did do a lot of like health nutrition stuff with us. But I, you know, I'm sure like when I came to Whistler, I didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to cook. Like I didn't even know how to do anything. And so I, you know, like I probably was eating a lot of packaged food. I was probably feeding him a lot of packaged food and didn't even realize that I was doing that. And, and I just, it didn't occur to me until that point that I could just give him like, well, real stuff. Like, and 20 years later, I mean, we still have yeah. most North Americans are not getting mm-hmm. even two or three servings of fruits and vegetables in their yeah. diet. So mm-hmm. everything, which means that 90% of the food that they're getting in their body and even more mm-hmm. all comes out of a package. It's all, totally. and this is today in 2020. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So, yeah. I mean, as a young mom, were you a single mom or were you with yeah, your partner? I was at that point. I was a single mom. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're doing this all on your own. Mm-hmm. Which, which was easier. Yeah, which I was just about to ask you I because know. I imagine mm-hmm. for so many couples, you know, mm-hmm. you you know, you get together, you have this baby, you think it's going to be this healthy, beautiful baby, and mm-hmm. then, you know, they get diagnosed, and yeah. that really is it, it's hard on couples. But what's mm-hmm. hard I've seen in the couples that um, I have coached on the nutrition side is that one person mm-hmm. will be like, we're eliminating the gluten in the dairy. And the other person is like, no, we're going to take the medications that the doctor yeah. says, mm-hmm. and they will not research. They won't do anything. So there becomes this tension in the family. Whereas with you, you were just like, I read an article. I'm going to mm-hmm. try it. Yeah. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was in lucky because I mean, like at that point, you know, I think I, we, I was married up until that point mm-hmm. and I had and I was young, like I was making crazy decisions. I was like, oh, let's get married too. Like, what the heck, you know? Yeah. Like, let's do everything yeah. right now. And so I, but th- at the point where he was, it was right when he started uh, going into his own little world, it all happened at the very same time. Like between 15 and 18 months, I separated from my husband and was like, I can't do this with you anymore because I really need to just focus on him. And it was like, I just knew that, like I cognitively said it, like, I was like, I'm doing this now because it's too much with you. And you know, I, I, you know, I don't really think I really loved him anyway, you know, like it was like, you do what you do because you think you need to do it. And, um, and so in hindsight, that was beautiful that that ended in that way and uh because now I could just take on a whole like I just put all that energy into my son I just like funneled it so it was lucky and yeah so I did that I was a I was just you know cooking Wow. I was cooking. I was cooking and cooking and cooking. You know, I was like, I cook this. I, cook, I don't know. Like, I was yeah. throwing agar, agar, whatever. I still don't know how to pronounce that yeah. stuff. Agar, like, agar, yeah. no talks about it. Yeah. So you read it. Yeah. I was throwing that stuff in everything to try to do stuff. And I was had the yansom gum or whatever that is. I was just like making whatever I could. I was getting like cookbooks from the library yeah. like I would go in there and be like can you help me with this and like the yeah. librarians would be like oh if I can maybe have something like that yeah like you know and like I would just do what I was just doing everything and anything I could wow and so he started talking what yeah like how okay so so let's go back I know, because yeah. I need to know mm-hmm. the timeline so people know yeah. this uh-huh. so you go into the grocery store yeah. and you're like 
hey, I need some gluten-free stuff. I read this article. Yeah. Somebody gave me an article. I need gluten-free stuff for my son. <laughs> yeah. So you then... I just went strictly gluten and dairy-free. Yeah, strictly gluten and dairy-free. And then Literally. you get have this epiphany that you're like, well, fruits and vegetables. So yeah. I'm going to learn how to cook with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So how what's the timeline from when you start changing his diet, cut out the gluten, the dairy, start incorporating like less refined or fruits and vegetables? Yeah. And when do you hear him speak so he um so within um two months wow he started to say hi and I still remember I came because it it happened at the daycare and I still remember when I um picked him up and they they were like he they were like watch and I was like what like watch what like I didn't know what was I mean everything's pretty exciting when they're young but it he he just looked at me and he went like he said it like in this like voice, like, you know, like he, he, he felt like he came back. He came back. And I know, I know that's what it was. And like, I know I'm getting like emotional because it's, it's, it's a, one of those moments where you just like realize that you have changed something and altered everything forever, you know, like, yeah. and it was like, he started talking, like he was, he was coming back to me and I knew it. And I was like, I, you know, that, and I mean, obviously at that point I was like, okay, like the gluten-free, dairy-free diet is all we're really going to do. Like, that's all I did. Like I, um, he just, and he just progressively started talking more and he just, he, he just started coming out of his own little world. Like he was looking at me, he was able to communicate better. He just, and just, it just got better and better and better. And it was pretty rapid. Like it wasn't like, it was taking a long time. It was rapid, but I think it was rapid because of the way that I dealt with it. Like I was like a, you know, like I was like psycho about the the gluten and the dairy. Like I could come to the daycare and I could see if he had eaten something, I could see it Mm. because of the way that he would spin and the way that he would, um, like physically spin. Yeah. So, and, and what made so much sense to me that I was, I was going to say is like, so the, like in it, this is where I feel like when I'm speaking to somebody like yourself, like you will maybe think I am a little bit crazy because I don't, you know, like how much reach, I didn't know what I was researching when I was researching. Yeah. I didn't understand it. I was like trying to figure out what it was about the dairy that was having him having these experiences. Like why was he spinning when he would have the dairy? And so I would read about it and it was like a peptides and like all these other things yeah. and, and enzymes. And I'm like, I didn't understand it. It was so confusing because I was reading so many like research articles that I yeah. could find. And, um, but one of the ones that I found that was the most sort of, um, meant the most to me was the one I found about how, um, they found some research that had showed that the way that these uh, my in my son's particular experience the way his body was at that point the way that he would take in dairy would um somehow it would alter it would the way that he digested it it would somehow leak into something mm-hmm. and then cause like an lsd experience oh wow and i was like that is exactly what was going on it was like because i mean i did lsd when I yeah. was asked when I was in high me school too. and I admit it, I admit it all the yeah. time. I was like, I'm pretty sure that that was for me because then yeah. I could later in life be like, that is exactly what was going on. Like I could yeah. see it, like the, the crazy craziness, the, the spinning, the like, 
the like uh in your you know the fear like you know the bright lights like yeah. all that stuff is so profound because you're just like you're on drugs so his body was just like you know vibing out yeah. of control and and then taking that away yeah just allowed him to heal mm. so there's so many pieces about your story that are coming up like for example I don't even know the name of the book but I read it was a beautiful book and it was about the beauty of having a child with autism mm -hmm. which I think is incredible mm -hmm. right because at the end of the day we don't want to define people by their disabilities yeah. we should not judge them by their disabilities and we should not love them less because they have disabilities or I want to say abilities yeah. that are different than ours mm -hmm. and but at the same time I want to go back to that book and back to that author and be like yes I think we should accept all of these things in everybody just mm -hmm. like we would accept if somebody has diabetes we would love them the same mm -hmm. but at the same time what if your child or that adult who has been diagnosed with autism what if there's someone inside of them that wants out and the mm -hmm. way you described that your son went <sighs> it's just yeah. like almost like he knew he's like I've been inside okay. yeah and this I I've been here mm -hmm. and I just wasn't able to like use my motor skills mm -hmm. to physically actually come out and he was so young that I mean you probably uh, does he have any have you talked to him about this like does he have memories of that or was oh. he too young he doesn't remember those moments yeah. but he's so interesting to talk to about it oh wow because he's so articulate like he can tell you how he feels now yeah he course. still eats it or oh of know, course because it. it would still it's trigger. so interesting like he's such an intriguing person like the way yeah. that he and the knowledge that he carries is incredible that mm -hmm. is amazing and you've given him the ability to be able to express himself that way because yeah. of the fact that you were able to show him at such a young age mm -hmm. that that there is a way out totally right if there's yeah. a way out so that you have the ability to express yourself because um yeah it's oh my gosh there's so many things that are coming up for me and even just the admiration that i have for you the fact that you just you just went for it mm -hmm. and we did a podcast with this other woman uh dr Susanna meadows and she's a researcher and a journalist and she had identical twin boys yeah. and i really encourage everybody to listen to that podcast after you listen to this podcast with aaron because she had identical twin boys but one of them at three years old developed idiopathic juvenile idiopathic arthritis which is arthritis throughout his body mm -hmm. just the same way as arthritis would be in an elderly person or someone in their 40s or 50s and it took her a year and it was when she really hit the point where you know her relationship was starting to fall yeah. apart with her husband because she had this screaming child in pain all the time the totally. medications weren't working mm -hmm. and then she remembered a year before a woman had said to her hey, you know, arthritis is an autoimmune disorder. Why don't you consider cutting out the gluten and dairy and mm -hmm. giving them lots of organic fruits and vegetables? Mm -hmm. And, you know, she had disregarded that and said, well, no, I'm going to do what the doctor said because they're yeah. the professionals and they know and this is what they said we have to do. Totally. And so, and this happened to her, her sons, I think are 13 now. Mm -hmm. And so, and she was like, well, they're identical twins. If it's happening one, it should be happening to the other. So I'm just going to do what the doctors say. Yeah. But what she discovered is when she made the dietary changes a year later, it all went away and he's been disease free mm -hmm. since that point, yeah. which is huge. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, so people go through their journeys and, and you go through it based on whether it's hitting rock bottom mm-hmm. and you're just like, I've tried everything. It's not going to work, mm-hmm. but you kind of hadn't hit. It doesn't sound like you would hit this rock bottom. Like for you, it was just like, oh, okay, this is what I'm doing. But the mm-hmm. fact that you were just like, I'm going to try new things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to like, this is huge. And I think it's the most important lesson that people need to learn mm-hmm. is that you can still go the conventional approach, mm-hmm. but why not try everything else? Totally. Like why not, you know, and you don't have to do it all at once, but why not take everything that's coming to you as a sign? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this piece of paper is a sign yeah. that maybe like just experiment mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what do you have to lose? Yeah. And, right? and, and you'll see the flutter, right? Yeah. Like that's what it is. Eventually you'll try something and you'll see it. You'll see something. And then once you see something, you know that that is, is, is working. And so then you just keep following down that road and, and then and you just don't look back because no. then you just keep trying other things. And as, as long as you keep seeing it, then you just keep going and you yeah. just keep going. And, and it's just the way it is. It's you just like, have to work that muscle of trying, right? Yeah. And then getting results. So then... Mm-hmm. Okay. So you, it sounds like you had support in the daycare, mm-hmm. like you had a supportive group of people yeah. who are working with your son and working with you. Yeah. That must've been amazing. What about the other moms in the community? And because at that time <laughs> I have a client who just yeah. has a five-year-old now and this child cannot have refined processed food. It puts her in the hospital. Like she gets hospitalized mm-hmm. and well, she's about six now. And since she's been eating clean, real whole foods that are gluten and dairy free mm-hmm. and unrefined, no episodes mm-hmm. at all. But this woman in two, like 2017, you know, harassed by her community of moms yeah. that are like, yo, you're so strict and you put so much pressure on this child to eat these foods. Mm-hmm. And why don't you just let them have the cupcake at the party and all mm-hmm. of this, you know, even though we yeah. had this plethora mm-hmm. of research that didn't exist back then for you. So what was it like for you with the other parents in the community? Well, I mean, luckily I feel like with me, a lot of, I felt pretty, <laughs> <laughs> because of my age and who I am. I was like, I probably wasn't like talking to a lot of them. Okay. You know, like I was and I wasn't. Like I like to, I talk a lot. I'm a talker and I will meet people out of nowhere and talk to them. You know, yeah. like my mom does the same thing. Like she was talking to some guy in Ikea about his shoe size like <laughs> last month and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm yeah. so sorry. Like, please mom, don't say something like that like, to people. But like, that's where I get it from, right? Yeah. Like, and um, so I think for me, I, it was a lot, I was only really talking to a lot of the parents who I felt were receptive to me. Right. That's so I wasn't trying to like get along with like, if I felt that they, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing it in a way that I knew what I was doing. Right. Was I was like, only doing that because I was uncomfortable and the ones that made me feel comfortable, I would talk to, but I didn't have a lot of like mm-hmm. friends, like uh, the, the parents it was an awkward time because a lot of the parents didn't understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, and they, you know, they, he didn't get invited to some of their birthday parties because I had some parents that were like, Oh, we don't have anything that's gluten or dairy free. Like, and you know, things like that were happening, you know, and I just had to just go with it and and just accept it. But I mean, it, it was a weird time because Mm -hmm. I can understand it as a parent you know, and I think that there's a lot of fear where that parent thinks, okay, well, we're, you know, regardless of how he was behaving, how he's acting, I think they just feel like it's, I don't blame them in the sense that like, you know, for them, it's their kids, like they maybe they just, 
they're, they're just inviting kids that work well with their kids. And maybe yeah. my son at that point wasn't working well with their kids. Yeah. And they're maybe not putting any other thought into it after that point. Yeah, I think there's, even though you say you weren't doing it consciously, mm -hmm. saying I'm going to connect with the people that, you know, resonate with me and I'm not going to worry about the other ones. But I think it's interesting because being a people pleaser mm -hmm. for myself, I always have to remind myself, you know what, not everybody needs to like you. So don't waste your time on the naysayers. Don't yeah. waste your time on the people who, you know, need to be convinced. Mm -hmm. Like just work with the people who actually want the information and yeah. are happy to work with you and mm -hmm. keep your life easy. And it's actually, I mean, I have coaches that have to work with me and tell me mm -hmm. this, where you just naturally did that. So I mm -hmm. think actually you should, you know, looking back, and even though you said it wasn't a conscious decision to do that, I think it's pretty powerful that you just innately did that mm -hmm. because you probably saved yourself loads of grief. Mm -hmm. Well, and I and, think there was some there, Yeah, you know, like I definitely was like, I felt sometimes like we didn't belong and like, you know, we weren't mm -hmm. the same as other kids. And and that was sometimes hard, you know, yeah. and, and I think that the, um, I think that from our experience, you know, and the way that we like, so, which like probably like, this is the way kind of, I think is important too, is like, so in my mind, I was curing his autism, Yeah. right? Like that's what I was doing. I was yeah. like curing autism. <laughs> in hindsight, he probably never had it. Right. Right. That oh, didn't ever occur to me until yeah. probably just a couple years ago. Okay, so tell me, explain that more right? then. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because even a couple psychologists have been like, there's no way he would have had autism, okay? You don't yeah. just like cure that stuff. Right. And I was like, I was like, well, something went on. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> that's just like in my head. Yeah. Um, but okay, so uh, basically, you know, for me, like I, I, he got diagnosed. That's what he had. These were the symptoms. By it's, multiple it's different a, doctors. It's a checklist, yeah. right? It's, it's, a my, it's a checklist on behaviors. So when I took away the gluten and the dairy, he started, beha he started behaving. He started talking. It started eliminating some of the brain. You know, from what I understood, it was like, you know, now he was able to make the firings in his brain. Like, it's almost like it was like a brain blocker. Yep. And now he was able to develop. But now, now it was like, he had so much to make up for. Like it was like a lost, it was almost like a lost development time. And they mm -hmm. developed so much in between those times in their brain and make those connections. So it was like, what did I lose? What did I gain? What did we, what happened there? And so it, in that point, like I still thought, you know, we were curing that, we were curing this, this disorder, this mm -hmm. diagnosis. And so when I put him into kindergarten, he went in with like, in eight, like he went into the school system with like a one-on-one -on -one worker and, um, and he had an, an individual education plan, but then by like, by grade two and three, I, cause I had to go there like every quarter to like talk to like the school psychologist and like the teacher. And like, we had to go over everything and make, like, see if like everything was like going along the way it should. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the stuff that came out was, it's just like, he just needed to move. Like he just had a lot of energy and he yeah. just like really wanted to move around. And like, he had a lot going on and like, he just wanted to like run, you know, and, right. and, and move. And, and so, um, so by the age of, uh, like by grade three, it was really apparent that he didn't need the aid anymore. And he didn't want the aid. Like he was saying like, I don't want you following me. I don't want you around me. So when he didn't need the aid, are you saying he's now development, developmentally caught up to his peers? Yeah. Okay. Like reading, writing. Oh, he was, he was doing that way before he did. He started school. Yeah. 
totally normal. The only thing that that was still going on was behavioral. So like maybe he wasn't being quiet when he should. Yeah. Which but how many kids like, does like, that happen to, like, right? Like, like, I don't know. Like, was that maybe him or was it, is it me? We you just got to like, call the I day. talk a lot. We but just like, got to call the day from my sister who, or my, yeah. uh, but from my daughter's teacher who, you know, said, you know, she's being defiant mm. and she's taking forever to do things. Yes. And, and I'm like, yes, but let me tell you what's going on in her 12 year old world right now. That's different than six months ago. And that might explain why this is happening yeah. developmentally. And so, yeah. So, okay. So your child is now in the school system, doesn't need the aid. He doesn't want the aid, which yeah. I can completely understand. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he's very aware of his surroundings. He's like, why do I have this person? Yeah. Okay. And the other kids are looking at him like he's different. Right. They're like, he has that aid. Why does he have that aid? Yeah. Like how come he has it? He shouldn't have it. So tell me What's why. So do you think that he didn't have autism? He yeah, now, now, and, and it's a strange thing to say, you know, yeah. but like, I, I feel pretty wholeheartedly that he didn't have it. Yeah. And I do think that the people, cause I've met women along the way that have had kids that, you know, they've told me, they're like, you know, we've tried the gluten-free, dairy-free diet mm -hmm. and it didn't work for us. And I, I understand that. And yeah. in my mind, I, it's, it's, it feels better to give, um, like, I don't know what it is like to give the like right to them, right? That they can own that then. Like, because I, that's not what was going on with my son. I wasn't curing anything. Mm -hmm. I was only curing whatever went wrong in mm -hmm. that scenario with his body and his mind and his gut. That, that's yeah. what I was doing. That's what happened. Thank goodness. Yeah. But I wasn't, you know, there is some, there are people that have, you know, um, kids that do have, uh, autism that can't that it's not they don't get those same it's not responses. all working it's yeah. not you know they're getting some of the benefits from it maybe they're getting calmer kids mm -hmm. kind of like the kids are calming down from it it's less inflammation it's mm -hmm. less you know what goes on with the body when you eat that kind of stuff but they're not getting that same you know he's back to normal yeah he's a normal kid yeah. Like he's in university. He's, he's living on his own. Like he's yeah. got tons of friends. Like he's in a fraternity. Not that I like that. But. Yeah. The part though about <laughs> this, I know the fraternity, I was in a sorority. Zeta Tell Alpha. I was the first black woman really? in a all white sorority. They I tried to that. kick me out. The parents <laughs> tried to kick me out. Isn't that crazy? I You're love incredible. I was in Mississippi. That's so cool. I was I was in Mississippi. Good yeah, that's you. different. Yeah, sororities are great mm -hmm. and then there's so much in yeah. fraternities and then there's so much that it's not great. I love, you know, one of the people who just reached out to me and he from one of the fraternities and you know, just it's been 24 yeah. years or something. I mean, I'm still connected to so many totally. of them. I mean, it forms a community and a tribe, mm -hmm. which I think is so important. Yeah. You just got to keep it healthy and get rid of the hazing. Yeah. Um and the drinking and the everything. Okay, so <laughs> the part about this though is yeah. that, like, doc, going back to Dr. Zach Bush, mm -hmm. you know, he brings up a really good point that a lot of the cows mm -hmm. and the farm animals that are grazing on grasses and grains and foods that are glyphosate dense, mm -hmm. so there's lots of pesticides and herbicides, mm -hmm. they even present with the same, like, if you went through the checklist for autism. Yeah the very same things. So their microbiomes are damaged. They're not yeah. making eye contact. They're not communicating. Mm -hmm. They're behaving. They're spinning, mm -hmm. literally spinning. Yeah. It's all the same is, things. Yeah. And, but then when they put the cows and the other farm animals on a yeah. 
pesticide-free diet, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden they're not doing the same thing. Like all, all their symptoms are gone. So, mm -hmm. but I think what this, like you brought up a really good point is that around what is disease? Like mm -hmm. what, when we do diagnosis, because I know from my point of view, when I work with clients who've been diagnosed with diabetes and heart disease and infertility mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Crohn's disease mm -hmm. and autoimmune disorders and SIBO and all skin rashes, people, and then they heal. Mm -hmm. Often what their doctors say is, well, you must not have had the disease because yeah. they say the disease yeah. can't be cured. Mm -hmm. And that's the definition of the disease is that it cannot be cured. Yeah is actually the definition yeah. and that it's lifelong mm -hmm. and that you're going to need medication or surgery or other mm -hmm. treatments and that you won't see it get better. Mm -hmm. So that makes me think, well, do we need to reframe the whole definition around diseases? Mm -hmm. And from our standpoint, there really is no disease. It's just a body that's highly toxic and highly nutrient deficient and maybe has a few other things like that are coming into play, like the gluten that is blocking the ability of receptor sites and mm -hmm. synapses to be able to get the electrical impulse mm -hmm. across so that there's communication happening in the body yeah. right so you describe it so well but i love you know what <laughs> i, I love I about able to do that <laughs> but what i love about what you're saying here is your generosity and all mm -hmm. of this is to say that for sure, this is not going to work for everybody. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to take away from their diagnoses and what they're going through. But yeah. at the same time, you know, and what, and I don't want to label your son mm -hmm. as saying that he was diagnosed um, based on, you know, a bunch of medical doctors from there was 18 years ago, mm -hmm. you know, 17 years ago. Um, and that's a lot of people to confirm something, exactly. but we do know that scales test and the way we diagnose tests and all of that. But at the same time, you could have also not done anything. You could have actually said, you know what? He has a diagnosis. He's not going to hit these milestones. He's not going to probably speak well, communicate well. He's not mm -hmm. going to have friends. And you could have just said, okay, what do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. And continue to go on feeding him mm -hmm. the foods that you thought, like whatever, just to mm -hmm. have gluten, have dairy. You probably wouldn't even have defined it as that, right? So Makes while sense, I appreciate yeah. what you're doing, mm -hmm. I also think it's really important for people to understand that once you get diagnosed with something, it's not final. And you have to really come up with your own definition and your own set of outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think it takes away from parents who do yeah. have children where it doesn't work for them. And maybe yeah. it's that that child might need excessive magnesium that they have to take in totally. supplement form. Because it's hard, right? Because right? then I go down this whole other road where I want to be like, I want to go over to their house. Yeah. And be like, it's not working. Well, let's make it work. Well, let's this, see what's not working And for that's you. what right? I, like, I immediately want to go over there and be like, okay, like, just define everything you've done so that yes. I can sort out how to apply this system that I did. And because, I didn't even you know, want to go there with you. Yeah, like as oh, you were no. saying it and you oh, said, well, they no. tried the whole gluten-free, dairy-free thing. And I'm mm -hmm. like, well, tell me what that looks like. Because oh. is that a nutrient dense whole foods, gluten-free dairy, or yeah. is that the impossible burger, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. every day with totally. French fries that are cooked in like these canola oils and other vegetable oils? Is it, you know, tons yeah. of sodium in their diet? Is it tons of refined sugar? Is it tons of refined, you know, everything? And so you know, and you don't want to judge people that way because of you course don't. you don't want to take away from the fact that they no. do say, well, I tried it, but people have to remember there's so many definitions of what gluten-free and dairy-free is. There is. And like, I've had like so many, you know, obviously like I've been at this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and so now my son is great. Like I've raised him to the point where he's in university. 
So, you know, we've had a lot of experience. We did a lot of stuff. Like I did, you know, I, I met with like natural paths, even that didn't know that weren't able to help us either. You know, like they just weren't doing some of the stuff that I knew could be done. Like, and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find people that were doing stuff that I wanted to do. Like, and, and, you know, there was, there was so much going on at that time that was like really crazy. And like, you know, people were doing that chelation therapy. Chelation therapy. Yeah. yeah. And, and with their kids and, and stuff and, and it was intense things to try to get results, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so everybody's kind of going down these roads and, and it's hard, uh, you know, like I even took my son to see a shaman. Like mm-hmm. I remember something so awesome. <laughs> I was telling him about it last night. I was like, do you remember you want to see that shaman? Like she like, sent me this like really creepy emails like saying like meet me by the river with like a jug of like you know almond milk is like exchange for my services like it was like crazy that I was doing these things but I was like going to do anything right I don't think it's crazy I actually I think that going to the ends of your earth, of the mm-hmm. earth for your children to, or for yourself, mm-hmm. advocate for yourself the same way you would advocate yeah. for your children. Mm-hmm. And you will see results. It might not be complete remission from your illness or whatever it is you're going through, or like, you know, it could just be a bad relationship or what, yeah. go to the ends of the earth to make it the best that it could be. And I, mm-hmm. so I don't think that's crazy at all to go meet the shaman with a jug of almond milk <laughs> and a bag of apples. <laughs> and a bag of- <laughs> Like, I'll never forget that. That's going to be with me forever. Like, that's amazing we did that. I, that and, you know, Susanna Meadows in her book, The Other Side of Impossible, the woman with the identical twins mm-hmm. and the son with um, arthritis, you know, her whole entire book is all about women especially yeah. going to the ends of the earth and to doing do all these, stuff, doing crazy doing stuff. Crazy things but guess what? Like, they got results. Exactly. Like, that is the thing. Like my son is in university now. He's That's doing well. Amazing. Like he, he's thriving. I mean, he's oh beautiful. He's like a six foot two, gorgeous, piercing blue eyes. So smart. So funny. So happy. That you is know? amazing. Mm-hmm. So you unlocked this child mm-hmm. outside of whatever it was that he was trapped in. Yeah. Which we do have a lot of science to, you know, that we can make assumptions as to what that is um, and probably be pretty accurate on that. Um, Now that you know about the microbiome, I'm assuming you know about the microbiome and you've read a little bit about it? Sort of, maybe. Oh, okay. Well, this is... But I did, I did go down, like, I did get to a point where I felt like I was learning so much. Yeah. And I was like trying to understand so much that I had to just stick with the one things, the things that I knew that worked. Yeah. And then I just like went down that road and I kind of blockered out everything else. Well, I think that this is actually great. Like, I love your response mm -hmm. to this. You're like, I kind of know about the microbiome, which actually shows you don't need to have all of this extensive, crazy information. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's information that is you know, available, it's out there, but there is so much of it, mm-hmm. but you don't have to have that to be able to say like, Hey, I found something that worked mm-hmm. and I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I don't, you don't have to be that to be able to get mm-hmm. literally like unbelievable scientific results in your end of one study, which is your child is your one study. It's yeah. your case study. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what I thought of. Them as. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that you're like, I'm going to do these experiments and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously if something was causing harm, you would probably stop doing it because totally. it probably also wouldn't get you results. Yeah. So for anyone who's listening, like I love Aaron's response to when I say, so you know about the microbiome and you're like, I, nope, <laughs> but I don't care. Cause I've got this beautiful son who <laughs> yeah. simply lies in university. So who cares about the microbiome? <laughs> Uh, yeah. You don't need to know about it, people, and you can still get results. So I love that. Okay, so where I want to go with this is I want to ask about your daughter. You have mm-hmm. a four-year-old daughter. So that's yeah. a huge gap. You have a child in university mm-hmm. and you have a four-year-old mm-hmm. who's playing house and yeah. you know, tea sets and Lego oh. and everything. So yeah. how is she and what did you do when she became 15 months? And mm-hmm. did you like how was that for you? Because I yeah. I know I would have been terrified mm-hmm. of repeating the same things. And I mean it's obviously a different child, different DNA, different genes. But tell me, like, what was that like when you had the second child? So I did not okay, so I got her I I had I it got up until the the shot the the, the last set of of uh, vaccinations and I didn't get them. I still haven't got them. Okay. And I feel, <laughs> and it, it is something like in me, like it I can't, is. I'm trying, I'm trying to do yeah. it. And, but the, it, I had no idea how scared I was. I was yeah. so scared. Like it's like the doctor talked about it and I just like immediately, like, even though I never really talked about that much after that point, because people did think I was crazy and they would tell me like, they'd be like, Oh, there's no, evidence proving that that had anything and even when you talk to any of the um women that do the shots like they're just like they're not they they fully believe in in those shots so like I just felt I just always felt like I wasn't getting the right information and I didn't know who to believe and so I knew what happened to me and and like I knew what was what was our experience so I just didn't realize that I had that like locked away in there too because I when we went to they were talking about it. I just like fully just shut down. I just didn't even talk about it. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just ignored what the doctor was saying. And right. they, and I didn't make an appointment and I just didn't take her. Yeah. And I had a, uh, one of the women in town who's, you know, beautiful lady who does these shots and she was calling me. <laughs> Aaron, come on. Yeah. You got to bring her in. Come on. Like she, yeah. she'll be okay. The shot that that happened to Kobe, she's already, she told me, she's like, she's already had that shot. They changed the sequence of shots since he had it. And I was like, I just didn't believe her. Right. I fully was like, sure, sure, she did. She's lying to me. Like, I, I, cause like, you know, you just, it's hard to let go. Of course. And I, to have that happen again, I mean, I just wasn't willing, like, even though I know the way out, but it was a long way out and it was yeah. a lot of work and it was, it was hard and, yeah. and it's had a lot of blessing effects on him. Obviously, like yeah. he still is, um, you know, when I was talking to him about having, uh, about being on this podcast, like he was telling me, he's like, well, mom, like, you know, like I kind of let that go in like high school. Like, right. you know, like when we met, he still had like an IEP, like an individual education plan in high school. Mm-hmm. And when we met with the high school uh, special education teacher, um, it, he's incredible, such, an, such a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. And he, like Kobe told him, he's like, I don't want the education plan anymore. Like, please, like, I don't want to be a, this to be a part of my life anymore. Right. I no longer want that on my record. Like, take it off. I'm like everybody else. There's nothing different about me. And so that's how he moved forward with everything. Right. So I lost my train of thought with this, but. 
Well, um, I it's just had wanted... lasting effects. Yeah, of right? course. He still questions why that happened and how that happened yeah. and, and how it played into his self-confidence and how people looked at him and, you know? Yeah. So, and of course, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all going to have experiences in life, like whether one child's going to be bullied or one person's yeah. going to accomplish something yeah. in another area that might be perceived as negative mm -hmm. or positive at that time. Yeah that everything has ramifications and consequences down the road, whether they're positive or negative anyway. And, you know, I always like to go back to Tony Robbins, you know, his mom was an alcoholic yeah. who pushed his head through mm -hmm. walls mm -hmm. and that is what made him stronger and made him who he is mm -hmm. today. And he, you know, says he owes so much to that. He would definitely not wish that upon anybody mm -hmm. else, you know, if you can get there without having to go through the trauma. Yeah. But so it'll be interesting to see where, Kobe, you know, in 10 years from now or 20 years mm -hmm. from now, how he reflects on this. Mm -hmm. And it's understandable when you're in your teens, you want to feel close connection to the people around you. You don't want to be different. Exactly. Yeah. You want to wear yeah. the same brand of clothes. Mm -hmm. You want to, you know, get yeah, the same grades. Out, you don't right? want to be too smart, but you don't want to also mm -hmm. be, you know, have really low grades. Yeah. You want to be the same. And so that totally makes sense. Um, the, I was, yeah, I was laughing when you were saying about the adversity stuff, like with oh. Tony Robbins, because like I tell him, I'm like, you're so lucky you had such big adversity. Exactly. <laughs> and like success like lies on the edge of adversity. Like exactly. you're so lucky you're going to be so successful. <laughs> That's what I tell my kids when they're like, I'm, mom, like, come yeah. on. I'm like, but some people are so perfect. They don't have anything wrong. Like, you know, like yeah. Oh, I always reference when my kids are saying, oh, it's so hard, you know, other kids get this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, do you know that there's an epidemic of <laughs> humans going to psychologists right now who have nothing wrong, but they yeah. suffer from postpartum depression Totally. and, or not postpartum depression from PTSD. Yeah. And these psychologists are like, like, so you got everything you wanted. You were born with a, you know, silver spoon in your mouth. You were never raped. You were never traumatized. You were like, you literally had everything but you have the same symptoms as people who, you know, literally yeah. gone through these traumas and these psychologists mm -hmm. are having a hard time figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And it's because they haven't had adversity. They haven't had to push their brains and their bodies up against boundaries mm -hmm. and have to overcome things. Mm -hmm. So I always try and tell my kids that they're like, not working for me right <laughs> now. And I'm no, like, it's yeah. too hard to understand it. Yeah. It mm -hmm. is hard for them to understand in the moment. Um, so your daughter then, so, and I can okay, understand, yeah. yeah. So, so let's go back to that. So I can understand that. Still afraid. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. and I get it. My okay. daughter went in for her, we delayed her vaccinations because yeah. I want to know her constitution. Yeah. Um, because she had been hospitalized when she was 10 days old after like super healthy pregnancy and mm -hmm. healthy birth. And the doctors didn't know why, um, what was wrong with her. And they had to treat her with like mass dose antibiotics because they didn't even know which one to use. And so for me, I was fortunate enough to, to find an MD pediatrician who said, no, let's wait and figure out her constitution. Because I think if we were to, you know, give her these vaccinations, it would be, um, we wouldn't know that what could happen and not because the vaccination will cause anything but because we don't know how her liver is functioning we don't know how her microbiome is functioning and this is like 15 years ago so for me I was like microbiome mm -hmm. what um so he just said let's delay for a little bit and then even then when we got her vaccinated it was because she had been 
um, she had a nick from a dog on her head and mm -hmm. the same doctor said, you know what, I really think she might need a rabies shot. Yeah. And, you know, when we were there, the nurses administering the shots actually just injected her like without even asking me mm -hmm. oh, wow. about the other vaccinations. Yeah. And they just said, well, she doesn't have them. So we're just going to do them. And they just did it without yeah. consulting with me. And then I saw them giving her a second shot and I said, why are you doing that? And they said, oh no, she needs this. And before I could stop it from happening or even process what was happening, they gave it to her and then they said, oops. And I said, what do you mean, oops? And they're like, oh, we just have to go make a phone call. And this is in North Vancouver. Yeah. This is not in a third world country. Mm -hmm. Like this like is, you would think it would happen. Yeah, where yeah. even in a third world country, mm -hmm. they have professionals yeah. who would not let that happen. Mm -hmm. Like these are just people who fall, like look at what they're doing. They read and they just made an error and they double dosed her on mm -hmm. a vaccination. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know if there was going to be consequences. So they quickly like did research. They no. called the CDC. Yeah. They, mm -hmm. you know, like, is it okay? And then they're like, oh, few, they said, they said, few, it's actually okay. This one's okay for her to get a double. And I was like, really, is it? Yeah. Well, we went home mm -hmm. and she broke out in a rash mm -hmm. all over her entire body, like yeah. looked like the measles mm -hmm. and it was from the measles, mumps and rubella. Mm -hmm. And she developed a fever and then, and she was about a year and a half old. And a few weeks later we were hospitalized again. Yeah. Was it because of that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it really showed me her constitution is not like my other girls. Mm -hmm. She has a much more fragile constitution that needs support. Yeah. So I can understand mm -hmm. because going through and having my second child and my third child, I was like on hyper vigilant alert on everything. Totally. And I was like, and I had to weigh everything actually to be like, can I live with the consequences if I don't do it? And can I live with the consequences if I can do it? And yeah. that's basically how I make a lot of my decisions mm -hmm. because I could look at the research and find research for and against. Mm -hmm. So I understand what you're going through mm -hmm. for sure. So your daughter though, no symptoms like your son had experienced. No. Did nothing. she eat gluten-free dairy-free? So, so this is the, so I'm gluten-free dairy-free. Yeah. Um, and because I feel better when I eat gluten dairy free. So I, and I have, we have, we're, we're for so long. And my husband now has been with us since my son was three. Like he Aww. met us, I met him on my son's third birthday. And he's like, he's like a little, he's like a magical man. Like he's just so cool. He just doesn't, he's just chilling. He doesn't read stuff like about anything. He just listens to what I say. Yeah. And then he just like goes along with it. He's like, okay, yeah, like, okay, sure. We're doing it this way now, you know? Yeah. So lucky he's like a blessing. He's a very solid guy. Um, but uh, yeah, he, so he just eats gluten. <laughs> that's awesome like it's so funny it's like okay yeah sure whatever you're feeding me is what I'll eat awesome. um but with my daughter she I, I was it was really interesting because I was really almost excited for her to be able to eat gluten I'm sure yeah and dairy because then I didn't have to like do all of the extra work yeah you know I could just feed her like regular bread and like regular stuff and um, she could go to a birthday party yeah. and you didn't have to worry about her no. downing a muffin exactly. or, or just like exactly or even say anything to anybody. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, so there's no she, she has a massive uh problem with constipation. Uh interesting. And yeah. and it's funny that this came up when it did, because I had this like, I mean she's four. So I've had this, she's been on, she's like peg is the thing that they want you to have yeah. so that it can constantly like provide, um, and now, but now she's, um, 
withholding like she holds yeah. she holds it for like 10 days straight oh wow and yeah. and so those that's what we're dealing with yeah um and i tried a lot of different things like the gluten-free dairy-free diet that didn't seem to help the her have the con have soft it, it softened it up it right. still is i don't know what's causing it and it's a source of like my daily stress yeah I because bet. i'm not feeling like i'm doing the same thing as what i did with my son and it's funny how it came it's coming at the same it's time. like it's like this time where it's like I'm I'm talking to you about my son and like yeah. this crusade I went on with him, but with my daughter you're on a crusade hanging, again. But I'm, I am, but I'm hanging back a little, oh. and so I don't. It's 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 like igniting that again. It's like I gotta just get on yeah. board again. So can we do something? And you, we don't have to. So I'll ask your permission if we can do this. Could we do like a little mini consult right yes. now, which? If I had a client come to me and say, my four-year-old is not going to the bathroom, she's constipated often, um, do you want to do a little tiny sure. consult mm -hmm. live so that people can, so if anybody else out there is listening, if you have a child that is going through the same thing, or if you are going for the same, through the same thing, I'm going to give you a whole list of things that you can do. Because also I want to say yeah. that it's very similar to the way that people reacted with my son. They were like, oh, well, right. Just, well, are you, that happened to so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah. It's just a lifelong thing. You're right. just going to be, and in my mind, I'm like, that's bull. That's bullshit. That, that you can swear bullshit. on that. That is bullshit. That is shit. Like, I am not, <sighs> I'm not going to settle for that answer. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? A lifelong diagnosis of constipation? Ugh. Come on. Like, no. our bodies are amazing. Our like, bodies are so amazing. Think, like, we can't figure out yeah. how to poop. Like, come on. Yeah. So, okay. You want to do a console? Yeah, sure. Okay. So this is going to be a quick one. What time is it? Oh my gosh, we're getting close. Okay. okay. So this is what I would do. So one thing that we teach our clients is, and we teach this in our Eat Real to Heal online course. We teach this when I do a one-on-one -on -one consult with clients. I teach big groups how to do this. So it's called developing a whole health team, which you know about that. Like you brought lots of people into your yeah. team for your son. So it's going to be doing the same thing again for your daughter. And you already tried like gluten-free, dairy-free diet didn't work for the constipation. Great. Mm -hmm. Let's cross that off the list. But what you do is you create this whole health team where you, you could do it as a list. I do it as a circle, like mm -hmm. a sunshine with rays coming out of it. And on each ray, I write down a different healing modality or a health practitioner that I could go to, to get support. Cool. Right. Yeah. So what it does is it pulls you out of the, what you know. So I know gluten-free, dairy-free, mm -hmm. or I know fruits and vegetables, let's say like those will be my first two go two things that I would go to. But if that doesn't work, I need to extend my thinking outside of what I know. Mm -hmm. And I need to go check out what other people know. Yeah. Okay. So this is called creating your whole health team. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you book 12 appointments and go to all of them, or you could, right? That's how we actually healed my daughter's concussion the first time and the second time and um but so on there you could put a chiropractor mm -hmm. now the reason i say so now i love that you said that i tried that no i be quiet no no this is yeah. perfect because this is what 99 yeah. of the people will say is mm -hmm. if you mention a health practitioner so here's the trick is you put two names for every modality oh, two different chiropractors because 
one chiropractor might be an amazing chiropractor for sports injuries and the other chiropractor might be an amazing chiropractor for constipation. So I have a chiropractor in the city. I actually, he comes up here to Whistler now on the weekend so he can ski with his boys and treat my family, which is awesome. So we have a table in our office. So Terry Dixon from North Shore Wellness Center, when I was in a car accident uh, 18 years ago, flipped our car, we should have died. And seven other people died in different vehicle accidents that same week on the same patch of black ice that we hit. So this is how bad this car accident was. And I went to a chiropractor and I'd never been before. And the first chiropractor, I'm sure he pressed his penis into my back and that's all he did. <laughs> and I'm not joking. Yeah, okay. Okay, so if anybody else out there has a really bad funny because I wasn't expecting you weren't expecting that. Yes. And, and I know because oh, that happens with women and oh, men all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. So you know what, in all purposes, I think ninety-nine point nine percent of people, if that happened to them in their first chiropractic experience, they would write off all chiropractors. Absolutely. But I didn't. I said, oh, this guy's a jerk. And I know my spidey senses were telling me his penis was pressed in my back the whole time. He didn't do any adjustments. He just did he was that. Just like, yeah. And I really wish I could remember his name and where his office was because I should report him. I know. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. Okay. Yeah, so hopefully someone else has. Yes. Yeah. So I went to a second chiropractor. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I read in the paper. There's a really great chiropractor who deals with all of these different things. And on there was constipation. I was highly constipated after this car accident. Never been constipated really, except for when I was a kid. Yeah. Because of the communication that if you have a compressed spine, you can't get uh, spine, you can't get um, signals going from the brain to the bowels and the colon and the rectum. So I, he just said, tell me any of your symptoms that are strained right now from this car accident. Is there anything? And I said, well, my body temperature is not fluctuating. I have a gag reflex that developed since the car accident and I'm highly constipated. And so he said, no problem. He showed me on the chart where all of those connection points on my body are and everything from body regulation, temperature um, or temperature regulation, constipation. he did it all. I took the biggest poop after <laughs> that session with him and he's been my chiropractor ever since. My gag wow. reflex went away and I was able to regulate, regulate my body temperature again. So. Was I lucky? I don't know, but you know, I've seen him about 13, 14 times in the last 22 years or however long it's been. And that's all I've had to see him. I don't have to go see him like three sessions a week for six weeks at a time. He's just like, no, you're better come back the next time you have something that needs to be worked on. Right. So, and he's been able to literally in a session fix me up. So I was so fortunate. So this is why you have two people mm -hmm. and what you do is you go, oh, is there a chiropractor out there who knows about constipation and spinal care and you know structural support and everything so now you might say like okay what's what? that guy's name well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like okay so i want to see that guy you want to see that yeah. guy he helps kids with bedwetting like mm -hmm. kids who are like 10 12 who are still wetting the bed he just does an adjustment and all of a sudden they stop wetting the bed well, of course right, right? Yeah, so things like that so you can go for anything and just you need to actually tell them these symptoms are happening can you please adjust for that and treat that so next on your whole health team you might have let's say i don't know a herbologist a yeah. traditional chinese medicine doctor mm -hmm. you might have a naturopath but not just one naturopath because if you go to one naturopath and they're like i want you to hold these vials and we're going to energetically adjust for this and you're like or they that give you like essential oils or they give Which you essential i don't have a problem with totally. essential oils 
but I just knew that those essential oils were not going to solve my problem. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that is what you need to do. So the whole health team, once mm -hmm. you get all these different names on there, it ignites your intuition where you're like, essential mm -hmm. oils, not going to try that now. Yeah. Maybe after all of these things don't work mm -hmm. and I've tried them, then I'm going to go down the essential oil or the shamanic route and yeah. bring the apples <laughs> to the river. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. But what it does too is it ignites your brain to listen for mm -hmm. other modalities that you have not even heard of. There's people out there who've never heard of a chiropractor. Like I know they're listening to this podcast and they're like, what's a chiropractor? Or they're listening to this podcast and saying, what's a physiotherapist? What do they do? I don't even know what they do. So it might be a physiotherapist. So here's what happened with my daughter. She's going to love that I'm telling this story. Um, so when she was eight years old, she wouldn't go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't go to the bathroom at all. And she would get these cramps in her belly. She yeah. was complaining of a tummy ache all the time. She was about seven or eight years old. And so I was like, oh, what do I do? So I asked around and I said, I needed to put somebody on my slot on my whole health team. And I asked around and I was like, Hey, I've got a kid that won't go to the bathroom. Who can you recommend? So I had all these parents and Natasha Renshaw's name kept coming up and she's a naturopath from Squamish. So I thought, okay, I'm going to listen to the sign people are telling me. And I went to this naturopath and I said to them, my daughter is constipated. She won't go to the bathroom. Her stomach is hurting all the time. So she sat down with my daughter and just said, why aren't you going poo? And my daughter, she said, can you leave the room, mom, actually? Because she'll probably talk to me if you're not here. So I was like, okay. So I left the room and she asked my daughter this question. Why aren't you going poo? And my daughter said, I don't like going poo in the bathroom at school. It's gross. <laughs> so that's what was going on. That was what was going on. And she said, tell me what food you eat. I love apples. I eat like 12 of them. And she was eating so many apples, Aww. which for me, being a mama who loves nutrition. I was like, eat all the apples you want. Totally. So the doctor comes okay. out, Dr. Yeah. Natasha Renshaw comes out and she said, I told your daughter she needs to go poo at school. It's really important. And your daughter agreed to go poo at school. And I was like, really? Okay. I didn't even know this was going on. Like I would ask her like, did you go poo today? No, I didn't have to go. Okay. Well, I'm not going to force her to go. She doesn't have to go. Yeah. But she was holding it. So then the second thing is she said to me, she goes, can you just limit her apple intake for the next little while to maybe one apple a day? And she said, let's just give her, you know, hydrochloric acid in the form of apple cider vinegar mm -hmm. and give that to her and make some valerian tea. Okay. I was like, done. I can do that. Mm -hmm. Well, she started going poo right away. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's been like six or eight months of me dealing with this child who's not I, going. That's the thing. It's such a lifelong thing. Oh. And not like a lifelong thing, but it feels like it's like lasting forever. Ever. But, but it was those people yes. can just tell you, it's like that article. Like it's just like that one thing. And it changes everything. everything. It's Absolutely amazing. everything. And so you just cannot accept the diagnosis that this is forever. And you have to try different things. So you can go around your whole health team like that. Acupuncture, massage therapy. Yes, you can get massage therapy for your four-year-old. You know, and so go through that. And it might be small tweaks to the diet where it's maybe they need less apples, but more, I don't know, prunes or whatever it is. Maybe they need less of something else that they're drinking and more valerian tea, which really is stinky, by the way. Um, good luck trying to get that in your kids without putting sugar in it or honey. I'm going to be giving her this tea that I got, this medicine tea. It has like lavender and chamomile and another one, and it, it like really softened things up. But then, oh, she, then all of a sudden that, that stopped working for some reason, so... And so, yeah, so then it would be like, okay, that was working for a while. Why do we think that is? Was it calming her down? And so then maybe on the team, you might have 
a counselor or a coach or a psychologist just to, they can go in and they can do fun things with the kids just to ask some questions. And who knows what your daughter might come up with. Like, I don't want to do it because I want to have to wipe my bum. So my third daughter wouldn't go poo because she didn't want to have to wipe her bum. Right. And I was like, really? But I, I, I knew now just to ask her the simple question, like, why won't you go poo? And she was like, because I don't want to wipe my bum. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to continue to wipe your yeah. bum for you. And so I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and my daughter says it hurts. It hurts and because she's constipated Mm -hmm. for sure. So then what I would do in a consult is we would go through your entire diet and we would see about, should there be some foods that should be cooked actually, or some foods that should Mm -hmm. be raw? Should she take hydrochloric acid? And maybe if she doesn't want to take the apple cider vinegar, how can you mix it into a salad dressing and put it on or a dip or something and give it to her and have her eat that 10 minutes before she eats a meal? Mm -hmm. Because if she doesn't have enough digestive enzymes, she's not triggering the peristalsis action in her intestines, and then she's going to get blocked. And then it's going to hurt for her to go to the bathroom. So hydrochloric acid, digestive enzymes, um, and she can take this. And so I taught my kids how to swallow pills at a very young age because they didn't like the taste of you know, supplements in the liquid form or supplements yeah. in it, like a disgusting, tasty form. So I, they had to be in pill form and that was good. Cause then I can give my kids the things that they needed and they could swallow them. So it would be going through the whole health team like that in, or the whole health team that you create. And then of course, extensively looking at her diet and then also looking like, could she need pancreatic enzymes or, you know, a liver enzyme to just support her little organs that may be for whatever reason, have just decided to take a break for a while and they aren't fully doing their job. So these supplements are great because you use them to activate and to kickstart the organs to do what they're naturally designed to do. And then they don't have to take them anymore, which is nice. So there's that. So that is how I would normally consult with somebody. And then we would try these things. And you know, if they're eating a lot of grains, which it doesn't matter if they're gluten-free grains or real grains or whole grains, but we would try and just minimize those a little bit for a short period of time and then just amplify, you know, taking in things in the form of more soups and smoothies and also more cooked food, like really, really, really cooked food. You'll almost feel like you're killing all the nutrients in there, but I promise it's still going to have tons of nutrients. And you do but that. I read your book and I go by a lot of the recipes in yeah. your book too. And you talked about that slow, like long time and that it doesn't kill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that can help too, to give her digestion a break um, so that that can help. But, you know, in something like this, it definitely is where you go around that whole health circle and you might have 20 practitioners and you might use your intuition. So you're going to wake up and you're going to look and you're going to be like, what do I want to try today? What is it that my gut is telling me my child needs today. And then you just go with that and then see, and you just keep, you already know this, you keep trying until you get the results Mm -hmm. ultimately. And I think it's really interesting too, right? Because the way that you were talking about this in the consult is like, you know, with constipation, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think like, okay, uh, it makes sense to go to a consult consult like this because obviously constipation is a part of your digestive system. So it could be, Mm-hmm. food related yeah right yeah but with autism or maybe some other type of um you know disorders or whatnot mind you know like mental health people don't think that that's what they should no. do and that is the first thing they the should do thing. that is the number one thing if you're depressed you should yeah. go to somebody and talk to them about what you're eating totally. what are you eating like what are you drinking yeah. what are you 
how are you sleeping? Like doing simple better. Like what are you doing? Like, yeah. And we do that with my youngest daughter as well is that, you know, anytime she's complaining of something, you know, because she gets constipated too. And that's because she goes the whole day without drinking any water. She's so excited. Then she goes and does gymnastics for three hours and then she doesn't drink it, you know, very minimal water during that time. And then she holds it because she's playing. And so she doesn't actually won't go to the bathroom because she's so excited about playing. So we have to step in and be like, we check in all the time like hey have you pooped today yet okay let's go up to the bathroom so another thing we do with our child is we just read a book while she's going to the bathroom so she's on the toilet for a long period of time we put a stool underneath her seat uh, underneath her legs or her exactly and so that the knees are elevated and that takes out the kink in the colon there's so many different things that you do to try and ultimately get to to the result that you're doing but diet definitely and I have to go back to it because I have to be like did you eat the food that we gave you the healthy nutrient oh you didn't Mm -hmm. and then all you've eaten is like sushi or pizza or something Mm -hmm. you know this week because that's what you got when you went out somewhere so you know diet even if it's like a family like ours that we're really mindful about it we have to remember our child's out in the world eating other things. And so they're not always eating everything we're giving them. So diet hundred percent is first and foremost. I highly recommend you go to that first, which you obviously are doing, which is awesome. And then you just loop through that circle. I think I can do that better though. Yeah. Yeah. And we can all do it better. That's the whole thing. And sometimes we just need a little reminder and kick in the butt and it is exhausting sometimes you're just like I just wish we could eat whatever we want and thrive and survive but we're humans and we're nature and we can't do that and you know and I always say to people don't think of it like you don't beat yourself up you have a lot of self-compassion to be like I'm a you know a mom that works and I'm exhausted and so right I haven't been proactive in this for this period of time but now I'm going to get proactive and then you jump on the bandwagon Mm -hmm. but I love this saying of you know, um, you never fall backward mm-hmm. when you try something. Yeah. And even if you don't stick with it, you're mm-hmm. always falling forward. Totally. Right. So you just pick yourself up and you get mm-hmm. back up and you do that. And yeah. so, which just sounds like that's what you're doing. You're like, yeah, I mean, and I cook a lot, right? Like yeah. I'm always cooking I'm Exactly. Cooking and I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And it's like, I, I don't think that, I think that that's what it comes down to is like, if I'm tired and I'm a tired mom, totally. it's because of something I'm not I believe it's just what I'm not just, I'm not doing simple better. Yeah. I'm just not sleeping or I'm not, I'm not making the time to, to help myself. Yeah, exactly. So, because it's a hard job being a mama. Yeah. Just being a mama. We're not even talking about a mom like that has to be proactive and really diligent with the diet because our child has whatever is going on, whether it's constipation or just diagnosis, you know, with autism, it is exhausting Mm -hmm. work on most days Mm -hmm. and sometimes not even rewarding for a lot of days Mm -hmm. and but then of course we do it because it is so awesome and these Mm -hmm. little humans are so incredible right they are so and then you get to watch them grow up to be incredible university students who are gorgeous with bright blue eyes and thriving with friends which is Mm -hmm. awesome yeah okay so there's so many things I want to ask you Mm -hmm. about like for example you make you know, how many liters of kefir did you make? So I've got, I, I, I make, I've got a 40 liter brew of water kefir. <laughs> because I came back from Mexico, like 
a year and a half ago with a really nasty like stomach bug and I actually went to um the green mustache and I like uh I went everywhere I started drinking everything I could to try to keep something down because I couldn't keep anything down and I was really really ill and I and and so I uh I got some water kefir I got some and I never knew really what that was and it instantly made me feel better and so I was like, okay. And then, so of course, like, because I don't do anything halfway, I want to do it all the way. Yeah, I love that. I went straight to, they told me that you guys, uh, the, the green mustache sell it. Yeah. And so I walked in there and I was like, can I please have like your biggest bottle of water, <laughs> which is a big bottle. Like, it's and, yeah. and they were laughing at me. They're like, you want it just like by itself? Like, it's not like carbonated. Like it's, we use it for our smoothies. And I was like, yes, could you please just like give it to me? Like, I just was like, I don't, I'm sorry. Like it's, yeah. I know it's weird. And I, <laughs> and you're used I know to I'm weird. odd. <laughs> yeah. Just, just get, just please like, just give me the stuff and let me go. Like not, and they weren't being weird with me. I just, I know it. I, I request stuff that's odd. And so I got that uh, water kefir and then I just drank it. Like I just kept drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. And it just like, it was like healing me, like healing me. And then I stopped, it was about a week and a half. And I realized that I felt good enough to have coffee. Yeah. But that I didn't need it. And that was like unbelievable. Wow. Like, because I, up until that point, was like a fiend for coffee. Like, I drank right. coffee. I would have been like, I'm the biggest, I was the biggest cheerleader for coffee. Yeah. Like, when people would be like, Do you wanna get coffee? And I'd be like, like Yes, <laughs> I love coffee. Like, coffee is my favorite thing in the world. Like, yeah. if anybody put it down, I'd be like, Don't say anything about coffee. Yeah. Oh, I'm the same yeah. way. I was yeah. so, yeah. And then I just like, I gave up coffee. Wow. It was amazing. And I like, wow. I lost like, I think 60 pounds, 60 pounds. A lot of it was baby weight yeah. that I couldn't get rid of. And wow. I was hanging on to. And, and then, so then I just started, I was like, well, how am I going to afford this stuff? Right? Yeah. Like, how am I going to afford this on a regular basis to try to drink a liter of it a day? Wow. And then I was like, it was obvious. I found out you could make it. And I was like, well, then I'm going to make it. So I've got like all this stuff in my kitchen. Like it's like a laboratory. And so like, I just like how, yeah. And like, again, like my husband's like yeah. carrying water and like doing all this stuff. And like, we found out like you can't have chlorine in the water. And so I'm yeah. testing the water, like with my test strips I got from like home hardware and like, you know, wow. it's just, yeah. And then so, to, yeah. So we drink it like regularly in our house and I've got like, yeah, 40 liters that every two days and I flavor it. And wow. Yeah. Can you just hold up the bottle so people can well, this, see? Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's the carrot because it's, um, it's got, this has got beaten carrot in it that I put with it and oh, wow. it's like a raw, it's just like a juice blend yeah. that I put with it and it's got like no added, um, no added sugars or anything. It's amazing. Like that after it ferments for like two days, it eats the sugar. It does. It yeah, is amazing. It still tastes sweet. Yeah. So anybody who wants to know all about uh, water kefir, uh, then definitely check out our podcast that we did with the Squamish water kefir, oh. Kristen Campbell, because we go into the science of it and what it's all about and how it's made and what it is. So you definitely want to check out that podcast now. Oh. I just love, like, again, you just went out there and healed yourself. Yeah. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. incredible. Wow. Well, I think that this is a good way to wrap up this podcast. It has been such a delight chatting with you. Like anytime I just meet mamas that are so proactive, despite the fear, despite, you know, the lack of knowledge or the lack of science or going up against the 
medical system or going up against, you know, just society to get the results that they want to get. I'm just in absolute awe of mamas like that. And also, how do we teach other mamas to be like that? Yeah. Who are held back by the fear or whatever it is, because at the end of the day, we do need people who are going to question, who are not going to accept no as an answer, who are not going to accept a lifetime diagnosis as the only answer um, and in some cases yes for sure you know you might try things and not get the results but at least you know that you tried yes. which I think is really important so Absolutely. I just have to congratulate you and thank you so much for sharing this story despite Kobe wanting to leave it behind him <laughs> yeah thank you the way thank, thank you, you Kobe for you know being mm-hmm. okay with your mom sharing this story um, because it's the way that other people learn mm-hmm. yeah this is awesome And welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Aaron Burton and that you learned so much invaluable information and that you were inspired by her story. Please share this episode with others and let me know if you have a healing hero story because we'd love to have you on our podcast as well so that you can inspire others to learn about food as medicine and all the steps that it takes to being able to use food as medicine as well. So stories are a powerful thing. Let's come together to share those stories through these awesome podcast platforms, such as our Eat Real to Heal show. It's been a pleasure having you and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.